www.sabscast.com s a b s c a s t.com love and the revolution Ladies and gentlemen, I would now like to invite our key guests on the dais. First of all, uh, I would like to request Her Excellency Alaina Vitaflis, Ambassador, uh, Embassy of the United States of America, on the dais, please. Also, I would like to request His Excellency Dr. York Frieden, Ambassador, Embassy of Switzerland, on the dais. May I now request uh, Ms. Radhika Arial, Joint Secretary at the Ministry of Women, Children, and Social Welfare, to kindly step on the dais. May I also request uh, Ms. Leela Adhikari, Under Secretary at Ministry of Federal Affairs and Local Development on the dais. And now may I also request Ms. Gitanjali Singh, Deputy Representative with UN Women on the dais. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now formally start the program uh, with our national anthem. Uh, I would like to kindly request you all to stand up for this. Today 
is based on the work carried out over several years by the government of Nepal. Members of the Jesse Working Group, civil society and communities. It was developed to help build a common understanding between development partners regarding gender equality and social inclusion. There has been significant progress towards achieving both equality and inclusion in Nepal due to national and international commitments. However, a large proportion of this country's population continues to face inequality and discrimination, which in turn affects their ability to receive essential services that improve their quality of life. A more coherent approach among development partners will better ensure more coordinated and collective action to, the, to, to, me, to support the government of Nepal and ultimately accelerate the progress we have made in making development programs more inclusive. The Working Group for Gender Equality and Social Inclusion or in short, JESSE, is one of the working groups under the International Development Partners Group and serves as a conduit of learning and a coordination mechanism for development partners working to support gender equality and social inclusion in Nepal. The JESSE Working Group fully supports the priorities set by the government of Nepal. This new framework is intended to help us focus attention on the overlapping layers of disadvantage that surround women, the poor, the vulnerable, and the excluded. Many of us ask the question, why do we need a common framework on JESSE? We believe that JESSE is complex and needs to be understood and applied within a specific cultural, historical, and socioeconomic context. We are convinced that if done appropriately, Gender equality and social inclusion can support transformational change in Nepal. Today, we feel highly appreciated and inspired by your presence. I hope that today's discussion leads to positive action as we roll out the JESSE framework and maximize the contributions to carrying out the vision of equality and inclusion embedded in the 2050 Constitution of Nepal. Let us build upon the momentum from last week's International Women's Day, where we all committed ourselves to be bold for change and continue our work to help make a positive difference in the lives of millions of Nepalis, particularly for women and girls, for marginalized and vulnerable groups, for people living in poor and underserved communities, and for all people across a highly diverse Nepali society, the Nepal. Thank you, Dr. Manjit Aladar, General Equality and Social Inclusion Advisor with USA. May I now call upon Her Excellency Alina Teplis, Ambassador, Embassy of the United States of America, to deliver her remarks. Thank you. Namaste and good morning. It's really a pleasure to be here, and I want to echo some of the themes that Manju raised in her remarks. Uh, the Common Framework for Gender Equality and Social Inclusion is an important development to set a common ground. And of course, just last week we celebrated International Women's Day. And for the United States, March is also Women's History Month. So I'm pleased to take the opportunity today to reaffirm U.S. support for gender equality and social inclusion. This year, the United States and Nepal celebrate the 70th anniversary of our bilateral relationship. During that time, both our countries have made significant progress towards gender equality in more inclusive political, economic, and social systems. Since arriving in Nepal, I have traveled throughout the country, from the vegetable farms of the far west, to the tea plantations of the far east, from the Terai to the mountains. And I have met women and men and members of historically marginalized caste and ethnic groups who, with US support, are running their own farms and businesses. They are embracing technology. They are managing community forest user groups. They are involved in school management committees or farming cooperatives. And they're using their increased incomes to provide their daughters and sons with the education they never had. I met human trafficking survivors, people with disabilities, members of the LGBTI community, people living with HIV, and others who, despite immense challenges, have become leaders in their communities and 
face the future with hope and determination. And I've been inspired by these individuals. I believe they represent the vision for the inclusive state and society laid out in the new Nepali Constitution. And the United States is committed to supporting the people of Nepal to achieve that vision. The Constitution declares that Nepal is an inclusive state and guarantees the right to equality for all its citizens. Nepal is now beginning the daunting process of making that constitution and that vision a reality through new laws and policies, through new government bodies and structures, and later this year, we hope, through historic national and local elections. This is an important moment in Nepal, and it offers government leaders, civil society, and development partners an opportunity to move beyond the words enshrined in the Constitution. They can make inclusion and equality a reality. And they can make it a reality by ensuring implementing sorry, by ensuring implementing legislation and regulation conform to this vision, and that civil servants are directed to consistently apply updated rules when delivering services. It's encouraging that so far, seven major line ministries, agriculture, education, forest, health, federal affairs, local development and urban development, and water supply and sanitation, have issued and are implementing JESSE policies and guidelines. In many cases, they have established dedicated units with specially trained staff and systems to monitor the result, also a very important feature. In addition, the Ministry of Women and Children and Social Welfare has almost finalized a gender equality policy that will be applicable across the government. Field observations conducted in the development of this framework provide evidence that government officials working in the districts take directives from their central ministries seriously and work hard to implement them. And this is what's going to make an abstract concept like inclusion and equality a reality. Nonetheless, there is room to further strengthen implementation at the national and subnational levels, and I encourage leaders and implementers to stay committed, to keep monitoring, and to keep looking for improvements. Gender equality and female empowerment are core development objectives, fundamental for the realization of human rights, and crucial to achieve effective and sustainable development outcomes. No society can realize its full potential without providing equitable opportunities, resources, and life prospects for men and women so they can shape their own lives and contribute to their families and their communities. Although many gender gaps have narrowed over the past two decades, substantial inequalities remain across all sectors. And as this framework highlights, Nepal's rich history and cultural and geographical diversity have resulted in a unique and complex social structure that intersects with gender and overlays development. Understanding and carefully considering this structure, particularly its gender, caste, and ethnic dimensions, is critical to achieving the equitable socioeconomic development outcomes envisioned in the Constitution. Despite significant progress, dynamics of social exclusion still affect many. And we see the disparities in incomes, in health and education outcomes, in political opportunities, as well as in household and community social dynamics. The U.S. government works with the government of Nepal, other development partners, civil society, the private sector, and communities themselves to reduce gender, caste, ethnic, and other disparities in the access to, control over, and benefit from resources, opportunities, and services. We work to reduce gender-based violence and to mitigate its harmful effects on individuals and communities. And we work to increase the capability of women and girls, as well as members of historically marginalized or vulnerable groups, to realize their rights, determine their life outcomes, and influence decision-making in their households, communities, and society. The framework we are launching today is an important tool to help us in that effort. And to ensure that our efforts are harmonized and positioned to be as effective as possible in supporting Nepal's goal of an inclusive society. Together, working on from the same page of music, we will be more effective and more powerful. And we hope this framework and the workshop that follows today will help development partners and the government of Nepal begin a more deliberate, 
coordinated an evidence-based approach to strengthening gender equality and social inclusion in Nepal. I'm confident that change is possible. I have seen it in my own country and in countries around the world. And I've seen it in homes and communities around Nepal. As we commemorate 70 years of partnership, the United States stands committed to equality and inclusion for all Nepalis so that they may have equal opportunities to learn, to lead healthy, prosperous lives, and to realize their full potential. Thank you. Thank you, Your Excellency, for your remarks. Uh, may I now request His Excellency, uh, Dr. Jörg Frieden, Ambassador, Embassy of Switzerland, to deliver his remarks. Thank you. Namaste and uh, good morning. It is indeed so that uh, the new Constitution gives us all, including donors and partners, the legitimacy to address inequality and discrimination gender empowerment, knowing that the Nepali people is behind those goals and ask us to implement them, to achieve them. Now, it seems to me, nevertheless, that the concept presented is very much, let's say, embedded in development cooperation, is very much top-down. While the Constitution is being implemented, the next election will open a new phase in Nepali history and will open space for uh, inequality, discrimination, gender balance to be addressed not from Kathmandu down, but from the village up. The challenge will be to use these concepts in promoting development at the local level, and not through development agents, but through local political processes. I think the challenge, and frankly, I, I challenge a bit here the, the participant to the program today to take this into account. We will have local bodies. They have now been established. They have received competencies that go well beyond their capacity last week. And in the decision taken so far, with few exceptions, which is, you know, the reservation of seats in the political institution that we emerge, there is nothing in the discussion so far that clarify how the dynamic of the new wards and the new village council and municipality council will facilitate inclusion and gender balance. And I think the challenge we face today is to promote through development activity that kind of empowerment. You know, nowhere we've been speaking about democracy as an important tool for inclusion and for gender balance. It, you know, we, we have been perceiving this too much as if it was a concession coming from the state or even more part of the grants that donors contribute to. It cannot be that way. We hope that the new institutions, the democracy at the local level, will give women, discriminated group, voice, votes, capacity to affirm their rights and transform slowly, progressively, social uh, institutions through political processes. So I think that the, the challenge we face is to use these concepts and this commitment that is in the Constitution to promote political transformation. And frankly, of course, this is not something donors will do. It's not our task. But I think we have to manage programs with you, with the government, in order to create space of decision-making, of inclusion, of democracy and accountability, that indeed give voice to those that haven't had voice so far. I mean, I stress this element because this is the part where the, I would say the, the federal, the decentralized, the empowerment part of the Constitution in terms of state structure 
join the progressive, inclusive, individual right, human right part of the Constitution. We have to find a way to link these two processes. And I think this, in my view, is the challenge Nepal face, faces and the challenge that donor engaged in development face, not to focus on user groups, not to focus on a way of organizing and empowering instrumental to implementation of top-down programs, but on the contrary, to use development program to, to create local dynamic that really challenge, challenges power and give voice, create a new generation of politicians, educate women to come out from the village and take the responsibility in the council, in the executive, maybe become MPs. We need a new generation of people that learn at the local level how to exercise power in order to influence provincial and national politics later on. And see, we cannot, in my view, make a difference or isolate the political from the social processes. So, you know, my challenge to the JC working group, to the JC concept is please politicize it. Please include it in the real decentralization dynamic that the new constitution creates. And don't, don't, don't imagine that you can isolate it in a social sphere controlled by donors or political processes or, or, or development processes. This, this, this must be created. And you know, this again is a challenge for everybody. And this, we, will, we will operate in the next years in a situation of flux in relation to you know, institution, procedures, uh, integration of sectors, and, and, and all the rest at the local level. And I think we have to, to try very hard to combine empowerment and inclusion with development activities, but stressing, in my view, the political rights and the fact that this political right can create empowerment and can indeed from 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 the bottom up transform the power in a more inclusive society. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Your Excellency. Uh, may I now call upon uh, Ms. Radhika Arial, Joint Secretary, Ministry of Women, Children and Social Affairs for her Thank you. Our Excellency, Madam Ambassador, Embassy of United States of America, His Excellency, Mr. Ambassador, Embassy of Switzerland, Ms. Kitanjali Singh, Deputy Representative, UNM and Nepal, Ms. Leela Adhikari from Ministry of Federal Affairs and Local Development, distinguished guests, participants, very good morning and namaskar. It is indeed a great honor to be invited to launch a common framework for gender equality and social inclusion developed by International Development Partners Group. Gender inequality and social inclusion are issues of global concerns. Nepal cannot be an exception. Government of Nepal is firmly committed to gender equality and women's empowerment and social inclusion under its constitutional national legislation and policies. Nepal has been stepping forward by fulfilling the commitment made in international arena towards non-discrimination, gender equality, and social justice. The Constitution of Nepal prohibited discrimination on the basis of gender, recognizes sexual and reproductive health and rights as a fundamental rights, and banned all forms of violence against women and girls. Various legislation and legal reforms made to provide gender equality and address discrimination that includes policy provisions related to marital rape, right to reproductive health care, domestic violence, property inheritance, citizenship transfer, and sexual harassment at workplace. Government has adopted specific policies and measures to ensure that women and girls benefit more equally from national development initiatives. And government said network of institutions from center up to the local level for effective implementation of program policy and to ensure accountability to women, girls, and marginalized community. The 14th year 
plan emphasizes the meaningful participation of all citizens for inclusive development and aims to improve human development and empowerment index of those who have been economically and socially left behind. To implement the implement to implement the affirmative action policies envisioned by constitution and various legislative provisions, various ministries like the Ministry of Federal Affairs and Local Development, Ministry of Agriculture, Ministry of Education, Ministry of Forest, Ministry of Health, Urban Development, Water Supply and Sanitation have been adopting the JSE policy to address the gender equality and social inclusion issues through a specific program. Currently, the Ministry of Physical Infrastructure and Transport is in the process of formulating JSE guidelines. Similarly, all government agencies have been implementing gender responsive budgeting since 2007, which includes 23.1% of total budget in this fiscal year 2016 and 17. Ministry of Women, Children and Social Welfare has been formulating the gender equality policy as an umbrella policy for addressing gender inequality issues nationally. Now I feel some sort of pressure in the sense that all line ministries, sectoral agencies and even the international development communities come up with JC guidelines. But we don't have the umbrella policies to harmonize all the activities carried out by different line agencies and international community. I'm quite happy that the JC guidelines uh, has brought out by International Development Group to address gender equality and uh, social inclusion issues. I think this is an extension of United Nations Development Assistance Framework, especially to address the gender equality and social inclusion issues to protect, promote the rights and uh, rights of the women and backward communities. I strongly believe that this JC, especially in defining excluded and disadvantages group targeted by JC initiatives. Moreover, the issues of discrimination on different grounds, gender, caste, ethnicity, have governed by different instrument, for example, CEDA, ICRPD, and ILO Convention 169 are conceptualized as a standalone instrument that can address all or most forms of discrimination faced by women, minorities, and indigenous people. JC framework can play a vital role in generating sex desegregated data and information on the intersectionality of multiple forms of discrimination. It also helps to regulate resource duplication and resource crunch by avoiding to finance small-scale projects which has more potential for larger-scale duplication in collaboration among development partners and donor communities. It will also help to identify the common areas of intervention or the common areas of cooperation by harmonizing at the level of national development goal. At last but not least, I am quite hopeful that the development partners collaborate with government and cooperate to government to integrate JC into national and sub-national development process, especially the planning, budgeting, monitoring, reporting and evaluation to make the development process more inclusive and to contribute to make the just and equitable society. I look forward to working closely with the development partners, especially the JC Working Group, to integrate and mainstreaming JC at the national and local level. I would like to express my sincere thank for giving this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Ms. Radhika Arya, Joint Secretary.
the Ministry of Women, Children and Social Welfare. And now may I uh, call upon uh, Ms. Lida Adhikari, uh, Under Secretary at the Ministry of Federal Affairs and Local Development for her remarks. Thank you. Namaste and good morning. Respected Joint Secretary, Her Excellency Ambassador of USA, His Excellency Ambassador of Switzerland, Ms. Kitanjali Singh, other distinguished participants, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for providing me this auspicious arena to present my SLS Ministry remarks on gender equality and social inclusion. It's my pleasure to inform you that the MOFAD, Ministry of Federal Affairs and Local Development, is serving as focal ministry to localize the gender equality and social inclusion policy as well as Ministry of Federal Affairs and Local Development delivered gender equality and social inclusion policy blueprint in 2010. Similarly, with Ministry of Federal Affairs and Local Development coordinating and directing policy predecessor of local bodies should allocate at least 35% of their capital budget to the women, children, and other social backward communities, like people with untouchable, indigenous, and tribal, modesty, and etc. At the same time, as you notice, MOFAL played a pivotal role to localize the gender responsive budget and gender audit through various levels of local bodies. Nepal as a whole is experiencing the labor pain to undergo federalization. It is the severe challenge to implement the JC policy issues to various spheres of the government. Meanwhile, with the government personnel are happy to know that JC framework is going to inaugurate just now by the prestigious development partners. I personally appreciate the outcome of the platform and wish for grand success and hope to work hand in hand with the platform in coming days to expand the government's policy towards gender equality and social inclusion. Since the gender equality and social inclusion policy adopted by the government has created a positive impact on various sectors to common people. For example, the constitution of Nepal itself incorporates women and other excluded citizen friendly provision. But there may be ample rooms for further revision. Meanwhile, the constitution makes provision to protect and promote the civil political and socio-economic rights of the citizen with wide expansion of provision of the fundamental rights. Likewise, government of Nepal and its agencies and various development partners separately work together in the context of gender equality and social inclusion. And the experience helped to germinate the uh, sibling, the sibling of the JC platform by the DPs like USAID, the embassies of USA and Switzerland and so on. We all are fortunate to witness the plating of the JC platform, hoping to observe the, the sweet fruits in future. We look forward to uh, that the government of Nepal, the DPs, and other sector mutual effort together on this issue. Last but not least, the common framework by the development partners may provide guidelines to widen the horizon of gender empowerment and social inclusion among the diverse populace of the Nepal and help to minimize the disparity. Once again, thank you very much for providing me this opportunity. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Ms. Lila Adhikari, Under Secretary at the Ministry of Federal Affairs and Local <coughs> Development. Ladies and gentlemen, this brings us to the formal launch of the Common Framework for Gender Equality and Social Inclusion. 
May I request two of our colleagues to kindly distribute two copies of the framework to our guests on the dais, please? Thank you. Please be seated. Next, I would like to request uh, Ms. Chaya Cha, uh, Jesse consultant, uh, to please deliver her presentation on the conceptual framework. Thank you. It is a great privilege to be uh, sharing the conceptual framework uh, of this uh, common framework for gender equality and social inclusion. Once you get the opportunity to go through the document, it has two sections. The first section is focuses on the conceptual framework, while the second section focuses more on the operationalization part of it. And uh, in this uh, uh, part of the program, we will focus on sharing the conceptual framework, and later on we will discuss the operational part. So, as uh, to repeat what Manjuji had shared, the, this conceptual framework is intended to help identify and focus development <coughs> interventions or overlapping layers of disadvantage. Because we realize that in Nepal, and it is based on all our experiences, that there have been, uh, you know, intersecting and interdependent dimensions of exclusion that uh, citizens of Nepal have been experiencing. And to analyze the barriers and then to develop holistic interventions accordingly. So, uh, just to focus a little bit on the methodology of this uh, preparation, the process the immediate process of developing the framework was started last year in March, but obviously the work is better, has been going on for decades, and the information on the conceptual framework and optimizing steps to guidance is based on all the work that has been done by the government, by development partners, by civil society, by the community level women and men, who have and people of um, sexual and gender minorities, persons with disabilities, and all the different uh, groups of people who have been contributing and working so hard to bring uh, to improve the quality of life. But uh, so our process was very participatory and consultative, and uh, um, we had more than uh, 50 meetings at the Kathmandu level. Then we went to five districts, one in per region, uh, because it was still they were really interesting. And we went, uh, of course, many uh, key informants. 15 focus group discussions were facilitated, where there were a variety of people from different. And we were very conscious to ensure that the voices of different groups of people were captured. And seven workshops were held, one in each district with civil society representatives, one with INGOs and development partners, and with government level uh, persons in Kathmandu. Uh, we also developed a matrix and uh, shared and uh, requested for information from development partners and organized INGOs on the program and institution-related information. We, have, we developed a background document analyzing, as it was reflected in the, in the speeches, the government already is uh, has a lot of guidelines and sectoral um, uh, mandates to work on these issues. So um, a lot of information from those documents were used and analyzed. And various rounds, and I really must appreciate the proactive uh, uh, work of the Jesse Working Group members. Every single line has been reviewed hundreds of times. We met. There's been continuous discussion. A lot of consensus building has occurred over this year of continuous and regular discussions. And that, and we have already also, because this was a development partners product, we did meet the government people. We met NPC. We met uh, many of the ministries, and uh, and I'm thankful to both. Uh, both of them gave time for this process also. Uh, but because it is a development partner's product, it is uh, for the government product, it requires a different process, right? But we did, of course, ensure that we had their inputs. Now, let me move on to the shared conceptual framework that is uh, in the framework, uh, moving from inequality and exclusion uh, to equality and exclusion. This uh, Framework. This theory of change is based on the work that has been happening, as I shared with you. So basically, and um, I would like to re uh, reinforce what uh, His Excellency Ambassador Switzerland has mentioned, 
that institutions are, uh, shape, you know, institu institutions influence people, right? And people influence institutions. And so the, who are the, uh, the social, economic, political uh, access of people to institutions depends a lot on the formal laws and policies and mechanisms that uh, exist. And of course, a lot also depends on the informal, deep structural values, beliefs, norms that exist. So why are women not able to influence the, the processes that are um, uh, you know, developing in Nepal now? Why are people from excluded social groups unable to influence? Because those institutions are, for, sorry, those institutions uh, at this point of time may not have the, uh, the ability to be influenced by the, the different groups of people, right? So, uh, the, the, and many times what happens over the years, this uh, in, uh, you know, the people shaping institutions and institutions shaping people, it is considered natural. It gets accepted. It gets unquestioned. And, uh, like, for example, if we take the family as an institution, whatever the father decides, it's accepted that this is what we need to follow, even if it is gender biased or there is uh, injustice in any other form. So basically, this is this creates inequality. Also, to understand that better, of who amongst people, which people influence have the most uh, level, higher level of influence in the institutions that state, shape the state, the economy, and society. Obviously, our experience has been that men and uh, people from dominant social uh, groups have been able to influence these institutions more. Uh, while women and people from different social groups who have not had access to these institutions as much have not been able to influence this as much as, uh, uh, as is required for an equitable distribution of resources from those institutions. And so the high influence of the dominant groups and lower influence of the uh, of the groups who are voiceless and powerless ensures that low status authority and control over resources continues and that their low influence and it perpetuates and reinforces the existing inequalities. And so um, before we uh, share what the framework uh, has guided, provisioned on how to move and how to rebalance and to move from inequality to equality, we would just like to share that the framework also dis uh, recognized that there's a lot of uh, um, sometimes misunderstanding, sometimes confusion about who are the excluded and who are the vulnerable. And so based on the constitution and based on experiences in Nepal, the framework offers that a differentiation between the two. The excluded are those people who have experienced intergenerational historical disadvantage, while vulnerable are those who, who experience disadvantage based on certain situations, which may be temporary and which could change. And based on the, uh, the reality, what the data shows, where the disparities exist, the included would be men, but obviously not all men, some, uh, it would be at varying degrees depending on the other variables that they experience. The, the well-off class, the dominant groups as defined by Nepali society, uh, citizens who uh, uh, who have the legal papers, the documentations, adults, persons without disabilities, and people living in capital large towns would be the people who have, would have more influence and resources at their uh, command than those who uh, who who have been experiencing historical exclusion. So, of course, women women of many of the others uh, across social groups in Nepal, be it. Even in Kathmandu, even in the rooms in this, uh, the women in this room, they are obviously better placed than women who are uh, in the, uh, maybe uh, in a Dalit community in, a, in the Tarai. But still, because they are born, uh, women, they would be experiencing some levels of discrimination, disadvantage. Then there are, of course, uh, uh, those who experience poverty, the marginalized excluded groups as defined in Nepali society uh, due to the ethnicity, region, religion, language, assets. LGBTI community, non-citizens, persons with disabilities, and poor people living in remote, difficult regions. And the vulnerable would be people living in areas affected by natural disasters, HIV-affected people. And of course, this is not something written in stone. But as we work and as we work in the areas that we are working in, this is a broad frame that should, that should be able to guide us in our work. 
So what can we do to rebalance power and reduce exclusion? And here, this is this is where a lot is drawn from the experiences that is happening, from the work that the government is doing, from the work that the DP development partners have supported Nepali society to um, work on. So basically, if someone who is illiterate, who is hungry, who is uh, who does uh, who doesn't have any employment opportunities, the immediate requirement would be to improve their human development uh, outcomes. And that is why we require uh, immediate measures of, to target nutrition, health, education, skill training, legal services, access to finance, productive services, those kind of aspects which are required to improve the immediate life and the conditions of the people who have not experienced this as yet. But along with that, um, for those immediate steps, we require medium-level and long-term measures. And so reforming laws, policies, electoral mechanisms, governance structures to level the playing field, respect diversity, and to enforce the rule of law, to change the discriminatory social practices, to change mindsets and value systems which um, accept and promote and perpetuate injustice and inequality. Those kind of work also has to happen from the medium level. We have to start working on it. But obviously, it requires a much longer frame of mind, and all of us in this room know that it takes many, many years of work. But there has to be work of working uh, with men and people of dominant groups to change their attitudes towards uh, experiencing discrimination of any form. And of course, attitudinal change of women, the poor, the vulnerable, and the excluded, so that they can uh, build their capacities uh, to access livelihood opportunities, to build their voice in their agencies, and to fight to change uh, the rules of the game as such, which the institutions uh, bring. So that uh, mainly, I think, uh, the, to sum up, this is basically um, at, that all our work has to be at two levels. One, at people level, to build their capacities, to empower them, of course, but also at a system level, where we need to change not only formal and uh, legal provisions and policies, but also in the informal, structural, um, mindsets and values and beliefs that uh, we uh, we have to live with. And of course, being part of a culture which is very rich and diverse and exciting is excellent. But wherever, whatever aspects create injustice or inequality are the ones where we have to work and to change. Thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to uh, more, of, more discussion in the afternoon half, uh, second half, whoever uh, is able to give us time. Thank you, Ms. Chayata, for your presentation on the conceptual framework for Jesse. Ladies and gentlemen, as most of us already know, the IDDP Jesse Working Group is co-chaired by USAID and UN Women. And as our co-chair, I would now like to request uh, Ms. Kitanjali Singh, uh, Deputy Representative UN Women, to extend her vote of thanks. Thank you.
enshrined and embedded in the Constitution of Nepal and the Sustainable Development Goals. We hope this framework will support the government in implementing the National Gender Equality Strategy being finalized under the leadership of the Ministry of Women, Children and Social Welfare. The framework presents a mapping and is not prescriptive. As we continue to celebrate International Women's Day Week and, the, and deliberate on women's economic empowerment in the changing world of work at the ongoing Commission on the Status of Women in New York, it is evident that achieving women's economic empowerment is critical to making sure that no one is left behind, to ensuring economic justice and making Agenda 2030 a reality. To address both uh, emerging and old challenges related to Jesse, the time for bold actions is now. Investing in gender equality and social inclusion is both a moral imperative and smart economics. It is the way to achieving planet 50-50 by 2030. The common framework highlights how we can move from exclusion and inequality towards equality and inclusion. For the 21st century, to be the century of inclusion, participation and partnerships are essential. The IDPOEG Jesse Working Group looks forward to working with all of you uh, to take this forward. As we collectively advance substantive equality, we make the world better for all. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Kipanjali Singh, Deputy Representative here in Britain. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this brings us to the end of today's program. Uh, we have a copy of the Common Framework for Distribution. It's right here. Um, so I would request all of you to take a copy with you. Uh, with this, we would like to invite you for high tea. Uh, tea will be served at the lobby outside. www.sabscast.com S-A-B-S-C-A-S-T.com Love and the Revolution